Hi, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Care Experience, the podcast where we speak to inspiring people who shape health and social care. I'm your host, Tracy O'Carroll, and I head up the National Care Experience Programme. And in this episode, I am talking with Donika O'Kelly and Dr. Daniela Rode, who also work in the National Care Experience Programme and are responsible for implementing the National End of Life Survey. So the National End of Life Survey is Ireland's first uh, ever national survey asking bereaved relatives about the care provided to a family member or friend in the last months and days of life. In this podcast, I will discuss with Donika and Daniela the purpose of the survey, what questions are asked and how the survey will contribute to improvements in the care received at the end of life. Good afternoon, everybody. We're here today with Danny Rode and Danica O'Kalli. And first of all, could I ask you to introduce yourselves? Maybe, Danny, if I start with yourself. Yes. Hi, Tracy. Um, so my name is Danny. I'm an analyst on the National Care Experience Programme. So I work mainly on the analysis of findings from all of our surveys and then reporting of the results. So prior to starting on the National End of Life Survey, I worked on two rounds of the National Inpatient Experience Survey and before that, the National Maternity Experience Survey as well. So I'm really excited to be, to be working on National End of Life Survey. Great. And thanks, William, for joining us today. And Danica? Thanks very much. So my name, as you said, is Danica O'Kelly, and I'm the project lead for the National End of Life Survey. So since the National Care Experience Programme began in 2016, I've worked across the, the suite of, of surveys that we've developed and implemented. And I was actually just thinking the other day that it's almost 10 years since I, I started a master's in equality studies at the former School of Social Justice in UCD. And I'm just completing one in healthcare ethics and law at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. And I suppose I'm like Danny, I'm really excited to be working on this project and especially to be working in something where you really get to implement the learnings of, of those masters, you know, which I suppose what the survey really boils down to is, is giving people a voice in their care and then using that to improve, improve the experience of care then for people going forward. Great, thanks, Danica. And I suppose, um, uh, as you've mentioned there, we're here today to talk about the National End of Life Survey, um, which is one of the suite of five from the National Care Experience Programme. So maybe, Danica, if I start with you and you could tell us what is the National End of Life Survey and, you know, why why are we doing it? Yeah, so the the survey is part of, of the partnership, as you've said. So it has that involvement from the Health Information and Quality Authority, the Health Service Executive and the Department of Health. And a range of other organisations have also been involved as well and have provided input into the development and the implementation of the survey. So the Irish Hospice Foundation and the All-Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Carers, as well as Carers Ireland as well. And the development of the survey, which began in, in 2020, uh, that, that need that, that, that was, I suppose, uh, that predated the, the development of the survey, which was to measure and improve the experience of end-of-life care, was really highlighted with the onset of the pandemic. So the survey and its development and its implementation has also been really heavily supported by NETFIT, the, the national committee that was appointed by the government to respond to the pandemic. To the pandemic. And the aim of the survey is, is really to identify what's working well in, in end-of-life care and what needs to be improved, and then using those findings then across the system uh, to make those improvements. And I suppose when I say across the system, 
the survey is really about care delivered, I suppose, holistically. So that's in in hospitals, hospital, sorry, hospitals, hospices, nursing homes, and in the home. So that's really a holistic journey that that people take um, in those last few months and days of of their life. And I suppose it's again, it's really about identifying what works well and replicating that across the system, as well as identifying where improvements are needed. And I suppose in terms of how we do this, well, we ask bereaved relatives to provide uh, feedback on the care provided to their loved ones in the last months and days of, of life. So approximately 9,500 bereaved relatives who registered a death that occurred between September and December 2022 have been invited to take part in the survey. So they would have received the survey pack in the post uh, with the questionnaire and with a free post envelope and other information on the survey. And they would have been asked to, to complete the survey and to return us either in the post or to return us on online. And I suppose we're we're also really conscious that this 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 kind of, of of experience is something that really touches all of our lives at one point or another and that grieving is a really individual process that doesn't really have any any real timeline um, or there's no one experience that defines it. But for anyone who who has received the survey pack so far and who would like to take part, we'd encourage them to do that before the, the 7th of July because that's when the, the survey will, will close and that's when uh, Danny and, and the team will start really analysing the findings of the survey. Okay. Um, and so, Danny, to Danica's point, um, there's a questionnaire that goes out to uh, all of the people who registered the death of their loved one, friend, family um, from the 1st of September to December 31st. Can I ask you what that questionnaire looks like? Uh, what are you trying to achieve from the questionnaire? So I suppose the first thing I just want to acknowledge is that we are really grateful to everyone who is participating in the survey. And we recognize that it's not an easy topic, I suppose, to be asked about. Um, and it is it is quite sensitive. So we really do appreciate um, everybody's time and, and for taking the time to complete it and to give us their feedback. Um, so the questionnaire, it's a postal questionnaire. So as Monica said, it's it's posted out to people um, and it includes a number of different questions about all of the different settings of care that somebody might be in in the last three months of their life. Um, so it asks about the care that somebody would have received at home in the last three months of their life. So that could be from public health nurses and from GPs. It asks about care that they might have received in a nursing home for people who would have been in a nursing home. It asks about care in a hospital. So for anybody who was admitted to hospital at any point in the last three months of their life. Um, and it asks about care in a hospice as well. And the questions cover topics such as pain management and symptom management and communication with the person who died, communication with the family or friends of the person who died as well. Um, and it includes some questions then for the uh, person completing the survey as well. So just some questions about them and about their experience of the death of their loved one. Those are kind of tick box questions and that's fantastic. Can people though, if they wanted to write, you know, um, kind of text or a qualitative response or um, if they had more to say uh, based on, you know, the, the tick box questions that you asked, couldn't they do that too? Yes, they can. So there are three open ended questions at the end of the questionnaire that give people the opportunity to write in their own words 
about anything they would like to really about their experience. So if there's anything that hasn't been covered by the questions that are on the questionnaire, or if there's anything um, from their experience that they would like to give more information on, they can do that in those in those free text questions. So that opportunity is there as well. And again, we're really grateful to everybody who does take the time um, to, to write um, and respond to those free text questions. Great. And uh, um, can I can people only respond by paper? Um, no, there is an option to complete the questionnaire online as well. So in the survey mail out pack, um, there is a link to a, a website um, where people can go and they can complete the questionnaire online as well. So there is that option as well. Can I ask you um, both, I suppose, um, from a data protection point of view, if somebody is worried that, you know, they can be identified um, or any other risks that they may see, how have you kind of ensured that anonymity is protected? Uh, that's a really interesting question, Tracy. So I suppose before we ever collect any any data for our survey, we're required by law to carry out a data protection impact assessment. And that basically looks at any of the any of the potential risks that come from from using or from processing people's information. And then pushing things, pushing controls in place to make sure that as you know, that risk is, is minimized and reduced as much as, as possible. Uh, so before the survey commenced, we would have carried out a DPIA and we would have identified those controls. And before before anyone would, would receive the survey, even before we ever would have had anyone's information, those controls would have been would have been put in place to make sure that the data was transferred, sorry, the data was transferred and the data was processed uh, fairly and, and in compliance with, with GDPR. So if you'd like to know more about, about how we carry out those data protection impact assessments, we actually do have a podcast here on the website that you can listen to as well which shows how we how we do it and, and, and provides a bit of learning there for other people who might be starting that journey of of processing data and may need to to may need some guidance or advice on on how to carry out a data protection impact assessment um, so one of those controls uh, would have been the pseudonymization of 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 data and what that means is that we we separate the data and, and treat it very differently. And in this case, the data I'm referring to would be the administrative data used to carry out the survey. So people's names and addresses and that kind of directly uh, identifiable uh, personal information. That that information is is stored and treated and processed completely differently to the to people's survey responses. And this really ensures that people won't be identified or identifiable within their their survey responses. Um, and I suppose then really importantly, and again, in, in line with, with, with uh, the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, all of our data is destroyed uh, as soon as we, we no longer need it for the purposes of the survey. Um, so once the survey closes, so at the in, in July when the survey closes, within six weeks of that, the, the administrative data, so that data, the people's names and addresses that were used to send them the survey, that data will all be destroyed. So once we get the um, people's responses then from completing the survey, um, so we don't ask for any directly identifiable information in the questionnaire itself, um, but people sometimes will include the names, either their own names or the names of some healthcare professionals in their responses to the open-ended questions. 
So we redact any information from those comments that could potentially identify either the person themselves or a staff member. Um, so we redact all of those before the data are ever made available to anyone. Um, and I suppose then there are controls in place as well in terms of who gets access to what data. So when we report publicly on the survey findings, we do that at an aggregate level. So all of the responses from all of the participants are grouped together. So it's not possible to identify any one person from you know, any of the reports that we publish. Um, we also have a dashboard that's available for um, people working in health and social care services, where they can view the responses to the survey for their own service. Um, but again, that's at an aggregate level, so it's not possible to sort of pull out the responses for one particular person. Um, and that data is anonymized, as I mentioned, so we redact any information that could possibly identify someone. So any access that people have to the survey responses is at, is at an aggregate and anonymized level. Okay, very good. Um, so you've thought all of the anonymization through, and then... Um, once you have the findings, Danny, um, you know, and you have all the responses, what happens then? Yeah, so um, so we work on the responses internally um, within HICWA. So we analyze those um, and put everything together into a national report that's then published um, that everybody will be able to see. Um, and as I mentioned then, in parallel to that, the survey findings are available to people working in health and social care services um, through the secure online dashboard. So it's only um, made available to nominated staff in services where they can view their own survey findings. Um, and those findings then are used to develop quality improvement plans. Um, so these are plans that are put in place to improve um, people's experiences of services. So that could be improving experiences of end of life care in a hospital or improving experiences in hospices. Okay, and, and where can I find the um reports that you said the national report if I was interested where could I find this and how would I sign up to get it or so all of our reports are published on our website yourexperience.ie um, the results for the national end of life survey won't actually be published until 2024 but there is a link on the website if you would like to sign up to be informed um, about when the when the results are published um, you, you'll be able to do that so all of that is available on on your experience .ie. And there's a lot more information about the, the National End of Life Survey as well. Okay, great. Um, and can I just finish up with a question? Um, if someone's listening today and they've gotten that, you know, invitation to get involved, um, why, from your perspective, do you think it's really important that they kind of take advantage of that opportunity, even though it may be that they you know they're obviously grieving and they may not you know want to, to kind of take the time to answer the question questionnaire why would you encourage them to do so yes yeah, so i think tracy you've really expressed that 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 understanding that we have that for some people it may be maybe difficult to take part in in a survey like this and to 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 provide feedback on on the experience of their loved ones in the last days of their life 
but I suppose this is the first time people are being asked nationally um about their about that experience of care which really captures that entire pathway that that some people may have gone through that it really captures you know the the experience of in hospitals hospices nursing homes and home and service service providers from across the system from those services at a, at a local level a regional level and a national level will be able to use the findings to to really identify you know what 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 worked well in your loved one's care and where where we need to improve yes um i think it we do recognize how you know potentially challenging it, receiving a survey of this nature is um we're very cognizant of that um but i guess it is it's a good opportunity um for somebody say maybe somebody who didn't have a good experience to feed that back um to help um you know prevent something like that happening again or for somebody who maybe had you know a don't want to say positive experience, but, um, you know, where maybe the communication was very good with the healthcare um, professionals to feed that back so that we we know maybe what, what works well um, and also the areas that where improvements are needed. Um, and I suppose it, it's to improve the care for everyone. So I think it's it, it's a good, hopefully a good opportunity for people to to provide that feedback um, and then for actual change as well. Um, based based on that feedback. Great. So that just leads me to thank Danny Road and Danica Kali for joining us this afternoon um, and encouraging everybody to take part where possible in the National End of Life Survey. Thank you both. Many thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Care Experience. I hope you found it informative and useful. You can hear all about our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to hear more about the National End of Life Survey or the other surveys that we are responsible for, please go to our website, yourexperience.ie, or follow us on social media at Care Experience on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you are impacted by our discussion today, you can seek out additional supports at Irish Hospice Foundation on a free phone number, 1-800-807-077, or the Samaritans can also provide support on their free phone number 116123.